I have endeavored in this ghostly little book to raise the ghost of an idea which shall not put my readers out of humor with themselves, with each other, with the season, or with me. May it haunt their houses pleasantly, and no one wish to lay it. Their faithful friend and servant, Charles Dickens. December, 1843. Marley was dead to begin with. There is no doubt what... There is no... Damn it, let me start over. Hang on. You're thinking about the Muppets. <laughs> yeah, I know, yes. I was thinking about the Muppets. <laughs> Marley was dead to begin with. There is no doubt whatever about that. The register of his burial was signed by the clergyman, the clerk, the undertaker, and the chief mourner. Scrooge signed it, and Scrooge's name was good upon change for anything he chose to put his hand to. Old Marley was as dead as a doornail. Mind, I don't mean to say that I know of my own knowledge what there is particularly dead about a doornail. I might have been inclined myself to regard a coffin nail as the deadest piece of ironmongery in the trade. But the wisdom of our ancestors is in the simile, and my unhallowed hand shall not disturb it, for the country is done for. You will therefore permit me to repeat emphatically that Marley was as dead as a doornail. Scrooge knew he was dead. Of course he did. How could it be otherwise? Scrooge and he were partners for I don't know how many years. Scrooge was his sole executor, his sole administrator, his sole assign, his sole residuary legatee, his sole friend and sole mourner. And even Scrooge was not so dreadfully cut up by the sad event, but that he was an excellent man of business on the very day of the funeral, and it solemnized it with an undoubted bargain. Scrooge was as dead as a doornail. <laughs> Every time I hear Gonzo's. Dead as a doornail. Whoa, 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 whoa. I thought this was a kid's uh, movie. Kids, he died? <laughs> Take that. Take what you will of that. Although, hey, my grandmother always told me that Christmas is all it's week. It's not just one it is, day. It is a affair. December 25th is the first day of Christmas. 12 so, days of so Christmas. So, yeah, that's why there's, there's 12 days of Christmas. I would even... Did you ever celebrate Little Christmas? I've heard that term before, but I honestly don't know what it refers Yeah, it's it's January 6th, and I think it's when the Orthodox Church celebrates yeah. Christmas. And for me, growing up Catholic, this is when supposedly the wise men show up. Makes to sense. The, to the manger. So, and that, that would mark, for my family at least, that would mark the official end of Christmas. But yeah, we would... I mean, Christmas morning, the 25th, was the big day. Yeah. But then we would go to other places throughout the week, and, and then usually on January 6th, um, we'd have like a little, just like a little dinner, and there might be some leftover gifts, little yeah. small things, like stocking mm -hmm. stuffers or something like that. And then we would start taking all the decorations <laughs> down for next year. You don't wait till the first of the year? <laughs> <laughs> mm -mm, the po mm -mm. the post-Christmas coma slack-off. The post, oh my gosh, that slack-off is, oh man, there's, they're giving you yeah, some slack. It, it was always like, some big like if you hadn't slack. finished it by the first of the year, it was like it was go time. It's time to get time to get it down. <laughs> if everyone's joining us on Christmas here. Day here, if you're actually listening to us on our, our mm -hmm. release day, we, got, we lucked out this year. We got today and... New Year's Day as release days, which is kind of crazy. Yeah, that is kind of yeah. that is kind of nuts. Especially, I think next year, twenty twenty four, is a leap year, so you got to put that yeah. extra day in. If you are listening to us, a a Merry Christmas to you and yours at this juncture, or or not. I mean, if you if you don't, or what, you, know. you know, whatever holiday season you celebrate, mm -hmm. or maybe you just don't like holidays in yeah. general. That's fine too. Holidays put a lot of people off. You could be a Scrooge type. You could be a humbug. Yes, you could be a humbug, and. I see you're trying to segue, but I am not ready to segue I'm gonna buy, yet. I'm going to buy you a segue for no, Christmas. No, we can. <laughs> uh, you buy. 
just have me Scoot fall flat around. on my face. I don't. I don't think the po- I don't think our podcast has workers comp, Ryan. <laughs> I can't afford workers. <laughs> <laughs> oh dear gosh. Yeah. But yeah, the holidays this, this can be holiday season snuck. It can up. be a rough time. Came up so fast. Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. It's come out of nowhere. Feels like we anymore. just wrapped on Halloween and it's like already here. <laughs> mm-hmm. It it's strange how like I can remember when I was little. Oh man, it used to feel like ever for Christmas yeah. to get here, you know. And now it's just like what? It's Christmas twenty twenty three. I feel like I'll go to sleep. I'll wake up. It'll be Christmas twenty twenty four. Weeks feel like days anymore, but that's but, neither here nor there. Oh, yeah. No, but it is pertinent to what we're talking about today, that passage of time, being able to look back if you could, which is, we I think we touched on a little bit in our Christmas vacation episode yeah. with Jordan. You mentioned it, how it brings out the reminiscing, end of the year, things like that. No, absolutely. And I, th- I think it's kind of, it's once that, that Thanksgiving Day ball has, has begun to roll, the, the holiday spirit is in the air. Mm-hmm. Ha-ha. <laughs> Oh my God! <laughs> no, yeah, we were we were joking. We were joking a couple of times well, yeah. about Scrooge and talking about how nothing says the holidays are here like the ghosts of a rich billionaire's past, <laughs> forcing him to reflect on paying a fair wage. Uh huh. <laughs> <laughs> yes, no, but we are we are talking about a Christmas Carol today, and, and, and it's Charles many Dickens. forms. It has it has been the staple of the holiday season and has taken on many different retellings and reforms. Actually, just in preparation, I watched Bill Murray in Scrooged. I also watched the George C. Yes, Scott good, version. good iteration. Which I watched both watch? Scrooged and the George C. Scott version. Oh, okay. Earlier this year, I watched uh, I the, mean, Muppet, <laughs> the Muppets version, as is tradition. Mm-hmm. I was going to say, you know what version I watched, and yes. that was the Muppets and version. And that's fair, because Michael Caine still- does a does a pretty good Scrooge. I, I mean, he is forever solidified in my brain as Scrooge. Like, like that's just yeah. When I think Scrooge, I think his performance. In I, I think Christmas that Girl. and the George C. Scott are fair answers. I don't really accept any others as a staple. Yeah, not yeah. a not a knock I to did, Bill Murray, I don't mind the that one's much more of a comedy. The yeah, the Bill the Scrooge is good. That's a, a nice sort of it's kind of a jazzy telling. Yeah, I don't mind the animated Jim Carrey. I one always that forget came about out. that one. I actually don't think I've ever seen that one. Yeah, it's it's not bad. I mean, all the animation, uh, the CGI, and it, it has it has that same the like, lifeless, soulless eyes has that same kind of CGI. Yeah, it has that look to it. But I, I liked when it came out. I liked what they did. I still like some of the things in it. But Muppet Christmas Carol is, is still my favorite iteration in that. It, it'll always be that one. The sidebars with Gonzo and Rizzo as they're like going through and like breaking it down are just so yeah. good. I mean, it makes this. It's like, hello there. Gonzo's like, I am Charles Dickens and I am Rizzo the Rat. He's like, wait, wait, wait. No, you're not Charles Dickens. They're, they're sort of like Abbott and yeah. Costello routine that they got going between the two of them is so funny. Like <laughs> one of my favorite moments in that is when they're trying to sneak into Scrooge's yes. house, apartment, building, residence, <laughs> and they're scaling the fence. And Rizzo is like, "You're gonna catch me, right?" He's like, "Yes, Dad, come on." And Rizzo just says, "God save my little broken body!" Uh, and then he, <laughs> Gonzo misses him by like a mile, but he's fine, of yeah. course. He's a muppet, and then he gets up, looks at looks at Gonzo, and he's just like, ah, "Missed." <laughs> and then Rizzo says, oh, wait, wait a second. I forgot my jelly beans. <laughs> and then he literally ducks under the bars, gets his jelly beans, and comes out. And Gonzo's looking at him. He's like, you can fit through those bars? And he's like, yeah. 
He's like, you are such an. There's idiot. so many little moments in that one where it's <laughs> like they they did like the below stage rigging for the puppets and stuff, and there's just like when they show the rabbit whenever he first comes out in that initial sequence, and they just do the overhead shot when Michael Caine looks down and the rabbit's just sitting there and he looks up, and it's like they used a lot of unique puppeteering for that. That like they were mm-hmm. starting to get outside. No, the bubble. yeah, I mean that's my favorite Christmas Carol version. Also, a uh, little bit sidebar, but they they show. Miss Piggy and Kermit's children, I think, for the first time in that. And yeah, do they? they and that might the bio- be yeah. the biology there makes little sense at all. <laughs> it yeah, it's like you got you got two pigs, two frogs, yeah, four children, right? Yeah. <laughs> Did you, ever, did you ever see the Canadian um, series? Yeah, you got the, the two sisters. Did you ever see the Canadian picks? puppet series in Annaland? There's a character no. in there that looks like what the biological combination of Kermit and Miss Piggy might actually look like. <laughs> it's really funny. Oh my god. Very sorry. But yes. Sorry. But we are no no no. I mean it's still relevant, but we are focusing on the original the Christmas Carol. The OG from the master himself, Charles Marley Dickens, was uh, dead to begin with. <laughs> yes. Well, it too, and if you look like, well, we'll get to that. We'll get to that. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna try to, but yeah. So one thing that I think that's interesting when you think about this story, this novella, I think a lot of people like forget it. it's it's a yes. very short story in terms of how books go, especially of the time. Um, I mean, you can you could read it in a day easily. I think it's not it's not a long book by any means compared to some of his other work. That eighteen eighteen hundreds storytelling that pay by numbers. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, that serialization, which he was known for, at least in the beginning, a lot of his stuff was published that way periodically. Think of things like mm-hmm. Sherlock Holmes yes. was the same way. This is in the same era, too, as like the Penny mm-hmm. Dreadful era. You have those like sort of which were kind of like the precursor to comic books and like Pulp Fiction that would come later in the 20th century. Penny Dreadful also has a very great you know, after, uh, after the first television show adaptation. Yeah. Very well done. Oh, no, definitely. Definitely worth checking out. What, but what I love about looking at Dickens and like this time period, you know, f- first of all, he's born in 1812 and I have to wrap my head around that sometimes. Napoleon is still happening. A section when he's born. About. So that's just... Yeah, he now credit he probably was too young to know anything that was necessarily remembering anything because about maybe four years later Napoleon's like finished and done for. But that that to me is is interesting yeah. to think about how a very different world that he grew up in. Yet Christmas Carol, which is written about thirty years later when he's born, about eighteen forty eighteen forty three, he decides, dear, he comes out. With let me just double let me let me let me double check that yes eighteen forty three he comes out so I mean we're talking in in American history that's pre Civil War still but what he comes out with and specifically in a Christmas Carol is still spot on today like what what he's what he's getting at that universal human struggle that quality uh, and that that's for me that's what I love about Dickens' work not just Christmas Carol but some of the other things like Oliver Twist David Copperfield. Great expectations. Easy to forget, like, the wealth and body of his work. Oh, no, yeah, absolutely. I tend to forget all the time. I mean, I tend to forget a lot of things, but <laughs> yes. <laughs> Have you read any? I'm sure you've read some, because, like, we did, I think in high school they make you read. I don't know if they still do, but I think they make you read Great Expectations. Yeah, we we read that. We definitely, around Christmas time, we did Scrooge and Christmas Carol, and uh, mm-hmm. I read a little bit of Copperfield, but not a ton. No, yeah, I still, that, I still is on my list to read Our Mutual Friend still haven't done but what i think is so interesting for dickens and himself is he he was coming out of a time when i would argue 
there wasn't in terms of stories, if you think about like stories for generations, for millennia, but you only told stories about great heroes or people that did great deeds, which which made sense because prior to like the 19th century, at least in the Victorian area, the Industrial Revolution, all that life was was rough. I mean, I, at least I would think it was considering God, you'd be lucky in like ancient times where you were getting yeah. clean water. No, the industrial from, age was you know, definitely we gonna tough. Eat, we're gonna food. <laughs> I, I would argue that one. <laughs> yeah, and you kind of wanted to hear. I, I mentioned it, I think, a couple episodes back. Orson Scott Card's pendulum with yeah. the characters. When times are good, people want to see more realistic characters. When times are bad, people want that sort of ideological escape. They want the 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 hero the superhero, this traditional hero. And I think for a long time, in terms of the narrative structure, you, you always had these almost demigod-like characters going forth and doing epic adventures of some sort, which I still love. I mean, they're, they're, that's my yeah. favorite thing to read. But when you have this after Napoleon and the Industrial Revolution and all that, the human population starts to go up and more so than any other time in history. And you have this new, you have the birth of modernity, essentially, is what's happening here. And the birth of the novel, of what we know it as today. And But for Dickens and everyone else in this time period that he would have been writing with alongside, like his peers, there wasn't a set foundation yet on what the the classic traditional novel is or at least that what we think of it today and that i i commend them for stepping out in into the void and trying to come up with a, a new way of of telling yeah. a story at least i think there's certainly you know now you were having stories that were more based on just everyday people and everyday experiences you, you didn't see much of that prior to this time in history but like thing with great expectations pip is just a yeah he's poor but i forget now where he works it's been it's been a little bit since i read it but he's just an average person who is then eventually thrown into a cycle of unprecedented wealth and how it affects him that was a big thing that dickens did a lot in his work it's it's prevalent even just in a christmas carol you can see it yeah yeah like the social structure of of this new world this new modern world that was starting to be born around his eyes and wealth inequality, how quickly it was changing the classes yeah. and all that. And I think that was that, that's that's something I just wanted to at least get on real quick, because I think I have to commend for that, because I like I said, I, <laughs> I'd be lucky if I can get a sentence written correctly, uh, let alone try and help contribute and develop a new narrative form. Yeah, that's borderline impossible, especially with how much has been done <laughs> in day and age. But yeah, it's it's impressive. Yeah. So, yeah. No, but yeah, no, I was, I was, I was really thankful that you were allow, allowing me to sort of do the, you were on board with the Dickens episode. Oh, of course. I mean, episode. I was racking my brain thinking, what are we going to, what are we going to do? Since we have a Christmas day release, I was like, what the hell do we put out? Mm -hmm. And when you suggested this, I was like, this is perfect. Well, I'm always like afraid too that like, I don't know, are some of these things still relevant? Do, do people even care? And having, I reread it again and rewatched Muppet Christmas Carol again, yeah. as I do. And I was like, yes, I was on the fence. I wasn't sure, but I'm like, I still don't know if people will care, but I do think, yes, this is an almost 200 years old story. It is still 100%. I think it, I think it is. Never, it never stops. I think it is the most relevant. timeless, not just Christmas story, but one of the most timeless pieces of fiction. I can't think mm -hmm. of another thing that has stood this level of the test of time, been retold this many times, and still been as prevalent throughout culture as this. Oh, yeah. And it affects, I mean, even the term like an Ebenezer or Scrooge has entered 
our lexicon of language the same way that when when you hear the term like kryptonite get thrown around that's like another that's a synonym for like an achilles heel essentially and that's so yeah when you say someone's like a scrooge or a miser it comes straight from this I think the Bill Murray telling is kind of like a staple of that because like the whole title of that movie is like he's been scrooged as like a verb. <laughs> like like he, yeah. he's having his own Scrooge <laughs> experience, even though he himself is not supposed yeah. to be Ebenezer Scrooge. No. Yeah. And that's that's one that I think gets lost, too. I don't know. What do you think? Does it not? I feel like it doesn't get as much. I think it put a lot of people off. Because I think that that one, how I hear some people who are put off by the office talk about it, like, oh, it's too real. I, I can't get behind that because I don't like, the, like, I've, mm. I've worked for that guy or I've been in that environment. It's mm-hmm. just, it's too real for me. So I think that that's, that's the way that that one kind of puts people off. Okay. At least from people that I've talked to. Maybe it's just a little, like, kind of overview of Dickens. And then we'll get into the Christmas Carol itself. One of the things that I love about, and even having reading that excerpt in the beginning, his writing style. It's very, it's very plain in the sense of like, you don't get a lot of flowery words thrown in there. Yeah, there's some sometimes where he'll say something where I'm like, I don't know, that could just be an older dialect or language or slang that they would have used back then that I am not familiar with and I have to go check, but not very often. The word, the language is simple, but it's written almost poetically. And I think that's something like when I, I personally love about the writing. Because like that was always something I, I thought was tough or challenging, especially when you're first getting into writing. You you have that urge to want to use big, huge words or like impress people with your vast yeah, look vocabulary. At my vocab. Yeah, I I got but I got a. That's not that's not I what you want to do. I have multiple thesauruses in my study, in my <laughs> my cigar room, <laughs> bound in ma- bound in leather and mahogany. <laughs> Like, it's kind of almost like how Gary and Spongebob, when Spongebob enters his dream and Gary's like this philosophical Socrates character quoting like great literature. We, I, I, everyone, I I know for me, it's like, oh yes, I I want, yes, yes. Ask me for my wisdom and I shall, I shall give it to you. But no, no, I, no, you got to sometimes just pull your head out of your ass and and just be like, okay, I got to just tell a good story. And I'm only going to use the word, like use the word. And then if you have to put in a different word there, make sure yeah. it's the right word. You don't want them to, to stand out. And there might be maybe when I think it was I was redoing it. I don't know, maybe one word that I had to go look up or like had to remind myself, like, I'm not 100% sure what that is, but I have an idea. And lo and behold, yep, we, we were good to go. But that that's one thing I like about his writing is that it is written for the common man, essentially. Yeah, and once again, I, I think I should say. Christmas Carol is the most prevalent of that. It really speaks to the class differential between those at the top and those doing the work no exactly and and dickens he worked in a factory at a young age and back then you didn't the working conditions were probably much 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 worse than what we see today in terms of at least just the physical aspects if you're hearing like a steel making plant or anything like that there was there was there was no osha back then let's at least let's at least say that i wonder what that was like (laughs) But yes, and that that but that greatly influenced his his stories and especially in addressing like social issues. And and it, there wasn't like anything too. He was like going straight for it. He's saying like, "Okay, I'm going to try and have some social commentary on this." But again, like all good writing, you can do that, but you got to yeah. do it the right way. You can't just cuz if you do it if everything's on the nose and you do it straight out like a speech, then it comes off preachy or yeah. propaganda or anything like that. 
you have to you have to make almost like the audience work for it a bit. You've got to have it more at the heart of what the story is getting at. And Scrooge's transformation, that redemption arc, once again, going back to what we've talked about for all these Christmas stories, that that growth of the character is there and highlights, I think, one of the social issues he was trying to comment on at the time. And that was like the terrible like working conditions for the poor and class. He had like child labor. The legal system at the time was not great. A lot of social injustice going on for many people. Doesn't doesn't sound too much different than no. what's going on today. I, but, yeah, that yeah. that was an era that predated a lot of the laws that protect people in that way. And now uh-huh. I feel like we're dealing with people who have innovatively found ways around the laws <laughs> that protect people in that way. Yeah, and like you look at like you look at us today with the rise of computers and more technology. I mean, it was the same thing going on then. The technology, it was still technology driving it with the industrial revolution. Different technology, more primitive to what we have now. But here we are again, like another driving force. We've got AI, we've got computers, we've got cell phones. We've got all this like new way of looking at the world. And it's like, where does this new piece, how, how, do, how do we balance now tech and ourselves now that it's getting even more sophisticated? As per usual, it's the working man that bears the bears the, the brunt of, of any, any bad aspect of any age, is what I'm trying to say. <laughs> No, yeah, just a quick overview of his his work. Yeah. I'd say one of my all-time favorites that he wrote is Great Expectations. And that that one can be a little bit I don't want to say tough to read because it's not tough to read, but you do. He does write the way that a person would have spoken back then. So you can take a little bit to like listen to how the characters are, are talking and what they're saying, some of the slang or terminology they would have used. But that's one of my favorite yeah. uh, of his. But he's got he's got so many. And to doing it on a periodical sense, constantly churning things out. And again, not too unsimilar of what we have today. It's just the medium in which it's consumed rather than more back then being printed. It's, like it's like a VH1. Now it's, it's consumed digitally. It's like we're looking at his albums. Like, yeah. <laughs> I picture like, do you, you ever watch like a VH1 hits video? <laughs> like where they go back through and talk. It's been a while, but yes. <laughs> like behind the music, I think was what they called it. Oh, yeah. But like it's music. like 1800s yeah, yeah, yeah. Dickens and he's like dressed like Scrooge walking down a cobble road. <laughs> there are still i'll say sometimes when i'm driving you go to uh, what do you how do you feel a little quick sidebar how do you feel about the cobble road still oh driving, down, driving them. down them when you come across there's a there's like, there's a bit of like novelty to it but after like the first two seconds of it i want to die oh yeah oh yeah i feel the same way i'm just like get me i, I was just i always end up thinking like how expensive was that <laughs> <laughs> so yeah on to christmas carol itself and one thing that i love if you go back to the preface that he has in in one of the books his little opening line he calls it it also can be known as a ghost story of christmas and he calls it a ghostly little book i like how he says i want to raise the ghost of an idea but i love the line too may it haunt their houses pleasantly and he says may it haunt you but in a good way yeah like it keeps people humble keeps people thinking keeps people Mm -hmm. morally centered in a lot of ways yeah, but just that use of oxymoron there, I'm going to use a term, uh, taking something that we think of like haunt, which we automatically think horror, and saying haunt you pleasantly. It creates that 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 juxtapose that like conflict between the two. It's like, well, would haunting really be pleasant? But I guess it could if you if you watch what's the show on right now? Ghosts. Yeah, I've heard a lot about this series. Yeah, the, the comedy. I haven't watched it yet, but it looks I got a. It's on my list. There's another. There's a movie that came out similar to that that I just caught on to today actually yeah but it's it's about like a girl whose life is completely falling apart 
and she's like a museum tour guide and she's just given like total yeah. bull facts she clearly is not fit for the job knows nothing about this place and judy greer comes back as a 16th century ghost to basically tell her she's full of <laughs> and is driving her insane <laughs> it looks good i haven't seen it but it looks good sorry side trip. yeah no yeah no but yeah christmas carol charles dickens a novella also known a ghost story of christmas and i think that's where I always thought, too, like, too in the name, which I think is interesting, called A Christmas Carol. I always wondered, watching the Muppet one, I'm like, why is it called a carol if they're not singing? And I guess Dickens was going for, almost like when he wrote this, was going for a ballad or, like, wanted to use that sort of structure of a carol and singing. And if you look at, if you read the actual novella, there aren't chapters, there's staves. Interesting. Stave one, two, three and is there a fourth it might be a fourth anyway and that's referring to like stanzas or he which was commonly associated with musical yeah. notation and it you would use it to refer to a verse or something in a song and he thought by organizing the novella into the staves it would create a more rhythmic and harmonious flow to the story that mirrors the structure of a carol and I, I I didn't even know this until later on, but I think that is interesting in the sense that how many times when you hear one of your favorite songs, you're instantly just transported yeah. or emotionally, it just grabs you. And have you ever heard the quote, yeah, all art constantly aspires to the condition of music by any chance? I've heard that before, but I feel like I'm about to recontextualize it. Well, no, it's just saying that like how music is considered one of the purest and most abstract of all the art forms. Yeah. That's interesting. And it's just how like it it affects how what is it about music that affects you as a as the audience so quickly compared to like a book, a movie, hell even a sporting event. It's going to take it will, it will take all of them a little bit longer to hook you if they hook you at all. But a song, a song that you really like, bam, the moment you just hear it, you're like you're in. You're in, you're ready to go. You you have you're having you you've achieved that emotion. The artist has achieved that emotional sucker punch in you so yeah i think that's what dickens was going for or at least the reason why he chose that musical quality for christmas carol it makes a lot of sense to sort of one yeah stay with the season what was going on but just an interesting little tidbit that i always tend to forget about it gothic tale too like it, it almost like at least in terms of how a lot of the visual aspects of certain tellings of this have gone like lends itself to like that that tim burton-esque batman like it's very everything just looks like dark and horrible uh -huh. oh yeah truly and the fact that he's visited by four ghosts technically like there's the first one which is uh jacob marley and the chains and what a visual thing too i think now we don't think about it that way but again this is going back 200 years to come up with the notion of he had always heard scrooge always had heard that ghosts sound like dragging chains across the floor we've been coming here for 200 years <laughs> <laughs> coming here for 200 years no, but that's that isn't like an interesting visual auditory like the the dragging of chains like it it is very fitting and there's it's I think it's part of why some of the creepier aspects of this have endured as long as they have because they really did hit the nail on the head. Mm -hmm. Yeah, dead, dead as a doornail, as he says. He's dead. <laughs> <laughs> he died. 
this is supposed to be a kids movie. But yeah, I think that's but yeah, the fact that it you, you could say this is a it is a ghost story. There is that Christmas joy and warmth in it. Again, if you've never seen a Christmas carol or read it, we're going to go a little bit into spoilers here. So the main character, of course, is Ebenezer Scrooge and he's that cold-hearted man who just doesn't give a shit about you Christmas to the bone. or really anyone else. <laughs> chill. Would you say he chill to the bone? You to the bone. <laughs> Like the Muppets. Oh, you do, oh, okay. Man, don't, 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 I'm gonna, don't make me watch it again. Oh, you're going to watch it. You're going to watch it before the night's over. <laughs> Let the boy watch. <laughs> anyway. Boy watch. Perfect. Yeah. Yeah. You got Ebenezer Scrooge. And how, who, who doesn't have a little bit, I think, of Scrooge in them in the sense of even when it comes to like your financials, let's at least just. I think everybody is a little bit. Uh, look at that. Both of them. Uh, Scrooge and Cratchit. Yeah. And it's it's kind of like you, fa- you fall somewhere between that spectrum at different points, obviously, but. Mm-hmm. No, absolutely. And I can think like so many times when it's like, oh, f- fudge, it's the, it's the holidays again. I got to spend money <laughs> on people, money that I don't have. Now, maybe some people like the chaos of going out and shopping and trying to fight someone for the like, the latest gift. Um, of course, it's a little different now because, like, do you do a lot of, like, in-store shopping anymore or is it mostly done? I'm about half and half these days, uh, but um, okay. I will say there is a certain piece in online shopping, though I'm not – I obviously prefer supporting storefronts, but, yeah, yeah it's it's just – I hate people, so <laughs> it's, it's a lot of – it's a lot of – less of a headache. <laughs> but who but exactly but who i mean who doesn't at some point just just yeah. just hate people it'd be one thing if times. they they weren't and so not, annoying and, and mean and horrible to be around it's like it's like yeah. men in black a person yeah, a person is great an individual i can connect with is great mass hordes of people get no mm-hmm. i can't do it yeah what's what's the line in men in black where he's like tommy lee jones is like oh, people are smart a person, a person is smart says, people are smart and then tommy lee jones says a person is smart panicky. people are dumb panicky yep, animals exactly. and you know it <laughs> And that's true. And that is, I mean, it's, it, anyway, I don't want to go into like that. Yeah. But anyway, yeah. I mean, I I know I've had that moment plenty of times in my life where I'm just like, uh, like Scrooge just wants to be left alone at this point. And like, you could, you can say that at least in the book, he's not outright doing anything to hurt people, but he's not helping either. And that's one of the big things. Like when the two, uh, gentlemen come in who are trying to elicit a fundraiser for the poor essentially they want to help more disimpoverished dispossessed people they don't have warmth they don't have food and they're asking him for a donation and he gives the famous line or like when he says no what can i put you down for and he says nothing and the guy goes you wish to remain anonymous he's like i wish to be left alone <laughs> how, how how many times do like even today like especially today like oh my god you can't even be alone anymore now like every your, your phone doesn't allow yeah. it that that idea of solitude just is almost gone you literally have to like leave your phone at home and i don't know go somewhere in nature i guess to have the last vestige of, of at least a time to reflect well, i know there's there's a lot of screenwriters filmmakers who do not keep cell phones they completely isolate themselves as much as possible just to try and keep some semblance of individualistic thought because like we have such yeah. like a hive mind mentality these days it's it's almost impossible to be individualistic 
Yeah, and that's and that's tough. And I think that Scrooge's transformation in this story sort of touches on that. He's like, yeah, I, I want to remain by myself with with myself. But then when Jacob Marley comes to haunt him that night on Christmas Eve, he he asks him about the chains and says that I forged these in life through my choices. And he says it's it is I'm going to butcher the line in the book. It is the the willingness or the the the, the man's soul to in light to to spread joy or to be happy and help others. And if not in life, then doomed to do it after death. But you're, you're stuck then. It's like essentially Jacob Marley's warning him of like the f- same fate can is going to befall you unless you yeah. start to change. And I think that so you start to have that Christmas spirit and the, that traditional value of like love, generosity, goodwill toward others. And that that is essentially that is the main Christmas yeah. carol message. It, Scrooge is kind of just embodies and the it, opposite of the Christmas spirit, which is kind of why I think it's such a it's. Not to draw everything Christmas back to trick or treat, but I think it's a good duality comparison. Yeah. Where it's like he is kind of rebel against the holiday and a lot of his philosophies. And I think it's mm-hmm. interesting that he becomes the, the villain in the eyes of the Christmas spirit of generosity, like you said, and just the general yeah. atmosphere. But it's like he he's almost completely put in check by the spirits, the literal spirits of Christmas. Yeah, you have the three spirits. You have Christmas past, present, and yet to come. Ooh, excuse me. I'm drinking a beer. He's hitting the hard stuff on the holidays, which makes oh, sense. Yeah. It's yeah, It's been a rough year. I get it. <laughs> but yeah, what an interesting like setup. You have like these supernatural elements going on in the story. You have the three ghosts. You have the one where he goes and sees his Christmas past and how who I sometimes envy him a little bit in that in the sense not not because I want to be haunted or anything but just the ability just just to go back and yeah. like visit the past for a little bit I mean how awesome would that be I don't necessarily have to I would assume it if I could it would probably work the same way like no no one can see or interact with him well part of my love of uh, this is that it's a they, time travel just, story and my love of time travel <laughs> yeah it is a time travel story no absolutely I think there's pa- like I think there's power in time travel of reflection and i think that this is mm-hmm. one of the great examples of that. no exactly and because we live linearly we live there's no there's no the the, fa- <laughs> the famous other guys quote well perhaps it'd be best to begin to start at the end and then go yeah. back to the beginning <laughs> just and tell then, us what happened <laughs> just tell us what happened man <laughs> but yeah not having that that ability to look at time differently can affect us because it's like you get more meaning when you can reflect on something. Now it's 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 too late to act on that. Hindsight's the whole the stupid hindsight's twenty twenty yeah. thing happening. I'm thinking too of when we're talking about the time travel and we live as linear arrival. I yeah I love arrival. Um, yeah, that has a whole nother play on time. I was just thinking about that how it works. Oh, but for Scrooge in this in this story, he gets to go back to his past and look and discuss that mirror is held up to the character and he gets to see like how he grew, changed as a person, what how how he ended in the spot that he is currently right now. Yeah. And to see if he can ultimately will change or will not. And that's the sort of the big question that the novel that the novella brings forth. And I think year to year, like some of the tough years 
in recent memory, this has been more prevalent. I, I think it helps people cope at the end of the year with some of the bad that has happened to them. Mm-hmm. I think why it's why it's resonated yeah. year to year. I know this was being kicked around a lot in uh, 2020 when the pandemic was at its, its peak. I know I know a lot of people had had a very tough year, and I heard this one talked about quite a bit that year. So it was it was interesting. It's interesting seeing like how like current events and stuff can impact like people tend to watch and what they find in. in mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's it's true to how. Scrooge's character, like, it's interesting that he goes to the past, you have the present too, that you have, the, once again, the rule of threes, and he looks then at the people currently in his life, like Bob Cratchit, the his worker, who, in the beginning of the book, is just known as, you don't even get his name right away, he just knows him as his his secretary, but that's not word he uses, I apologize. Once, once again, I failed to study. <laughs> you never studied. His, his help, his worker... He doesn't even really know him by name because he doesn't really care to know him by name. It's later on when Ghosts of Christmas Present comes that he learns. Uh, but the same with his nephew. You don't even get the nephew's name. And even the narrator, Charles Dickens, just says yeah. Scrooge's nephew. And he sees the them playing, like having the fun games. And he's being essentially ridiculed by his own family. But of course, they can't see him. And then, of course, the big change, Christmas uh, yet to come. Christmas, Christmas in the future. And ultimately, and let me just say this. The Muppet in that, the the yeah. Shroud, the, the Grim Reaper it's Muppet, it scared the sh- out of me still does i thought the george c scott version the christmas future ghost and that creeped me the hell mm-hmm. out like i that was the nazgul before the nazgul for me school happened yeah because like obviously i had seen this long before and, i'd ever and, read lord of the rings <laughs> <laughs> and it's and it's true too that that's always something you think about like okay how many how many more christmases yeah. do i have left what is going to happen what is yet to come and of course scrooge is confronted with his mortality right there he sees the headstone marked with his name on it and right at the edge of the abyss he he repents over a matter of 80 dollars <laughs> <laughs> what kind of a future do you call that <laughs> yeah there's but yeah there's tons of symbolism going on in a christmas carol which i love even for a story that is shorter than most it's it's jam-packed i mean what, what do you oh think? my god for sure even just like the class system comparisons and the hollowness of the ghost of christmas future and the uncertainty of like the the mm-hmm. literal black box that it appears as i think are all like they're like you said it is endless but there's there i mean there's tons yeah and and i can see like i can see this story in all of what we've talked about in these christmas episodes i can see this as the progenitor to that even christmas vacation it is kind of the bedrock the christmas tale yeah, or at least the modern Christmas tale. I mean, if anything, if I if if we have to get more technical, so we appease the the Twitter storm or, or whatever the X storm. <laughs> it, What's it called now? It's, it's X, not even called Twitter it's, anymore. Yeah, who who can called? keep up with all this? Yeah. this crap. <laughs> yeah, I can't. I can't keep up with those it, billionaires yeah. and their terms. Uh, they can they can keep their money. <laughs> yeah, that that the through line, the spine, the foundation of this story I see in the Hallmark movies. Uh, absolutely. I see it in Die Hard. I see it in Christmas Vacation. For sure. Yeah. I see it in a lot of like when we did Planes, Trains and Automobiles yeah. too. Like it's not just like it's it's like the the coming together of people. Like the Thanksgiving tends to have some of that spirit, and I, it's it's yeah. that atmosphere of coming together, bringing people together, overcoming differences. All and Thanksgiving too is a, a newer holiday. Yes, if I can say that comparatively compared yes. to Christmas. There's also uh, there's there's a new Thanksgiving tale. Yeah, you know, thanks to Eli Roth. 
Oh yeah, you were it, telling it, me about it this. Is, it is. It was an interesting one. I think it was one of the better movies of the year. Actually, <laughs> strangely, I did not expect to enjoy it as much as I did. Well, good, 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 good. Yeah, but the way that Dickens writes, especially Christmas Carol, uh, he had that broad appeal, or he had that appeal to a broad audience. I should say that was just something you didn't you didn't do back then. Now we have it like everywhere. But to to create a characters literally plucked from reality and and trying to make them feel as real as you can, even with those supernatural elements. This almost has that that magical realism take to it. Christmas Carol. I think that's one of the reasons I like it. It doesn't... He plays up the way he describes the house, Scrooge's house in the beginning, or when the the great feast of Christmas present comes. This, like, these these mundane, every, every sort of everyday things, he uses a lot of more... He gives more time to that. And then sort of the magical supernatural elements are are there but he doesn't spend as much time on it in in when he writes it and that's one of the hallmarks of magical realism it's still grounded in reality but it's just stretches and bends enough to yeah. like almost break your sense of reality yeah you don't over explain the magic at least in this terms and then of course there's always two things like when it comes to magic systems do you keep them the over? Do you do you have a more science based magic system or a much more ethereal version? But yeah, in in this, he keeps it sort of much more open ended. Anything can really happen when it comes to the magic going on. It's similar, like I'd say, magical realism. When I think of films, I think of like yes. Midnight in Paris. How another time travel thing? How it's never explained, and it doesn't need to be explained. How Owen Wilson's? It's better that they don't explain it. Yeah, character can just go back to the 1920s. I'm like, yeah, doesn't need to be explained. He found a he found a secret portal somewhere. I don't care. It works. It's fine. To explain it would ruin it. Yeah. And that goes back to what I said like for Dickens trying to do those that talk about social issues, the disparities between the wealthy and the impoverished at the time. He wanted to he wanted to raise awareness, he wanted to inspire positive change, but he knew too that he couldn't he it, like you just said if you explain it you ruin it. So he can't explain what he's trying to point out to. He has to then he has to get more creative with it. He has to use his story to evoke that emotional reaction otherwise like we said it, it falls flat yeah. and won't have the impact that you want. Yeah, too. And I, I just like how this isn't a story with wham, bam action, which... Thank you, wham, bam. Thank you, officer. <laughs> oh, thank you, officer. It, it, this is definitely... you can. I know I would always have trouble with thinking, okay, something needs to happen. They got to fight. You can, you can fall into that trap of thinking there has to be some sort of physical it doesn't always have to come down to violence it doesn't always have to come down to a physical confrontation there can be a battle of wills there can be a battle yeah. of intellect it doesn't always have to be a fist fight yeah and the way that christmas carol the novella is written the way that dickens writes it i think that's always evident and the scenes i mean every scene is literally it's just people talking like there's no i don't think i don't think there's really any like yeah the only things i can think of are well, like in the muppet there, version when they play like physically transport into the other time like they're flying like there's some visual sequences like that but oh yeah that that i'm saying but like there's no no one's putting up their fisticuffs no, i don't think no at any particular moment now credited to the victorian era that this is taking place in but it wasn't necessarily i think considered par for the course if you did that yeah but it but it is still but but you can see the conflict there yeah during every scene it marley when the mart when marley comes and marley's just getting pissed at <laughs> at scrooge being like why do you doubt you don't believe in me and he says why do you doubt your senses and scrooge is just like no nah, no i'm not gonna do it and then marley just like shakes 
his his chains and gives out his like banshee cry you can feel that that tension through every scene even more as you begin to learn more about yeah. scrooge and and it's interesting too because like our main character is not not a great person in the beginning well it's it's that age-old age-old aspect taking the transformation of a character the change that's that change that makes character development interesting and he, he goes from polar opposites from beginning to end yeah, this is very a very dynamic character here. And if I have to pick a more recent example, I look at the first Iron Man movie it's using the same. Yeah, technique. I mean the the crisscross even this. of uh, Captain America and him, how their their mm-hmm. points of view kind of flip. Yeah, no, yeah, their their journeys they kind of end up. Uh, the opposite ends finally their stories and uh where each of theirs began respectively yeah. so yes i i thoroughly if you can give christmas carol a read like i said it's it's not that long you can do it you definitely do it in a week even if you have some time i forget where it was i was reading a book one time about how how to help you read better or read more <laughs> as a, the, a book like a book how to, i was reading a book read. on reading <laughs> a book a book for idiots <laughs> yes how, how to read somehow i managed <laughs> It was saying like there was just a line saying like read in the cracks. I like and it. I just I laughed at the line in the book. But essentially what they're saying is like when you have like three minutes, if you're like you're if you're someone's driving or in an Uber car or like you're waiting for a meeting or, or you're stuck in the doctor's waiting room or, or I don't know something, you're you're going to the yeah. bathroom and you got you got a couple minutes of not doing anything. Maybe instead of scrolling through social media, take a second, take a break, open a open a good book and read like a page. Yeah. Even if, even if you just do it a little bit, but that was their their advice. That whole book, and that was the only thing I took from it. But still, hey, I took something. I like it. But yeah, but yeah, give a give Christmas Carol a shot if you can. Yeah, especially for for a rough year, it it has a lot to kind of inspire some hope, make you think that that boss that dropped you on your ass might have have a turn of heart. But yeah. Probably not, but in the fictional sense, maybe. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, it is a good one, and I agree. I think it's one of those ones that is a staple of the holiday season. Brings about the feeling of Christmas. Yeah. And from us here at The Study, we hope you have a great holiday season. We hope you've enjoyed everything we have brought up for you guys so far this year and know that we have a lot more planned and uh, ready to go for next year. Scrooge was as dead as a doornail. <laughs>